Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cash back events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. This week, from perhaps the best western town in America, Cody, Wyoming. Joining me for an extended conversation, former three-term U.S. Senator Alan Simpson, a true Cody, Wyoming local, along with his brother Pete, to talk all things Wyoming. Now, there are museums, but one of the most interesting is right in Cody, the Buffalo Bill Center of the West. This is not some faux attraction selling souvenir refrigerator magnets. This is truly the real deal. And I'll speak with Rebecca West, the CEO of the center. Historian and author Sam Leitner also shows up. He's written one of the definitive histories of Wyoming and the American West. He stops by with a report from both the national and state parks with a few surprises. First up, the notorious Simpson Brothers. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. 
the three-term legendary former senator from the state of Wyoming, Mr. Alan Simpson, sir. Welcome. Pleasure to be here and see you again. And Pete Simpson, his brother, who's laughing already, uh, who, who still holds the title of Distinguished Professor of, his, of Political Science at the University of Wyoming. That's true. And, and every once in a while, we, when we get you guys in the, in the room together, things happen. So, But I guess the question I have to start out with, Senator, is, you know, you went to Washington. You were there for, what, 18 years as a senator. Mm -hmm. But then you came back to Wyoming. What, what kept bringing you back? Well, this, this is my roots. Uh, Pete, Pete was born in Sheridan. I was raised right here in Cody. And, uh, and we had plenty of offers that were just dazzling. You know, how would you like to practice law? I said, well, as long as I don't ever keep a time record or never try a jury trial again. And they, they said, oh, well, nice to have lunch with you. Anyway, and then we had, we, I went to Harvard and taught there. I, I, I couldn't have got into Harvard if I would picked the locks. Uh, but they let you. They let you in. They did because they said uh, you don't. I said I've never taught anything. He said, but you have something to teach. But anyway, there was largesse waiting, low low hanging fruit, and we just said, want to go home. This is where our children are right here. We have grandchildren. We have great grandchildren. We love the winters here. We don't go to Arizona. Pete's here, and Lynn, and uh, the brothers are rejoined. Uh, after we terrorized the neighborhood. So the, the obvious question, Alan, is do you miss Washington? No, not at all. I, I'd, be, I'd be embarrassed. I, 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 I believed in trust. I believed in tolerance. You believed in conversation. Yeah, yeah you, bet, you bet I did. And discussion and, and bipartisanship. I worked with, I, I, when I became the kingfish, when, when Reagan got in, I had ranking members who were Gary Hart, Ted Kennedy, and uh, Al Cranston. I said, look, guys, I don't want to get into, you're all running for president, so I don't want to get into, I don't want to mix you up, but I don't want to, I don't want to be part of that. And we worked beautifully together on so many things, and and, and I would be embarrassed. In fact, you, you can come up to someone in this town and say, I saw you talking to a Democrat. I said, Democrats are human beings. There's a, there's a, nut, there's a bunch of nutcases around this place, I'll tell you. <laughs> and 72% of them voted for Trump. Yeah, well armed. Yeah. Well armed as well. Well, yes. But why, listen, but the Wyoming that you grew up in is still very much the Wyoming today, isn't it? Very much so. That's why we're here, and this is this is the town that really doesn't change. This isn't going to be a Jackson. This is Cody, Wyoming. This is people who who, who really f forget the fringe elements on both sides. These are people who 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 are caring. Uh, they'll somebody gets bucked off a horse, and they'll have a, something at the Enterprise <laughs> to send ten bucks or at the. Over at the uh, Cody Auditorium, 15 bucks, a cash bar, and have a hamburger and take care of old Fred. You know, that's what the town is. It's a lovely now, in your earlier years, were you horse guys? Not really, uh, Peter. We were, we were next to them. Our mother loved horses, and we had... Uh, and they had purchased a ranch, which is about 40 miles out of town, up on the South Fork. And uh, that ranch is in the family to this day. And she kept a horse named Brownie and taught me how to ride, put Al on it as well. So we knew how to ride, 
and we did it off and on, and both of us worked at uh, branch work in the summer times when we were late teens and early 20s, which uh, our old high school football coach said, Pete, you're going to go out there at T.E. Ranch, you're going to eat like a horse, you're going to work like a dog, and you're come, going to come back looking like Man Mountain Dean. And I'd come back just as skinny as I was before. I never gained a pound. Yeah, he but when Alan came back, off. he ended up in a football game. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, he was. I, I, I weighed 260 and had hair and thought beer was food. <laughs> played for the Cowboys on the two-platoon system. I played only, you played offset and defense. I, I No, no. In those days, there was a, a period of about four years where there was only offense players and defensive oh. players. And it, it didn't last long, but lasted long for me to figure out I, I didn't know anything about offense. But I, my job was just to sit right on the center's nose and smash him up until he got wise, and then the guards would cut you down. But you survived. I did. Well, my knees didn't, but, but I did. Did that, did that prepare you for Washington? Oh, yeah. You know, something about athletics. Pete and I both played. We, he was best rebounder at the tournament. He was... He was he was he was a giant. Uh, he could jump and anyway, uh, you, you know when you have your face uh, pushed down in the grass, and somebody's uh, knobbing you from the back, and and you think I don't have to take this crap, <laughs> and, and and you get up and and move on, and, and it's a great it's a great it's a great training for getting getting clobbered. Yeah, you never. Never, never let your face show how hard they're kicking your ass. <laughs> now, when you were in Washington, you know, we have 50 states in the United States. Americans tend to be somewhat geographically ignorant. Most people didn't even know where Wyoming was, did they? No, there was only three electrical votes. <laughs> but they say, well, it's out. Well, it's just like Wyoming people say, Vermont, is that up by New Hampshire? Is there something up there? around New Hampshire or Maine. It's out here. It's, it must be Montana or North Dakota. So it is. Geographically, uh, they're, they're deprived. <laughs> but what's the secret to Cody? Well, it's not a secret. That's the thing that makes it uh, things what you're doing. Uh, Pete and I were talking the other day. We do a little show about characters of the communities and People seem to show up with it, for it, and uh, well. So, tell me about some of those characters here in Cody. Well, there, we we've got a list. We we did three shows, and we we got a lot of people left. We we never did cover Boxcar Murphy. No, we never did. Which was uh, he bad. was a character you couldn't or, beat. Him. Or hard boiled Johnny Miller, mm -hmm. which or is a Phonograph link. Jones. Well, we covered Phonograph Jones. Tell oh, me yeah. about Boxcar Murphy. Tell him about. Well, I'm tell you about Phonograph Jones for okay, a minute. Sure. It's okay, Peter. Phonograph Jones was a marvelous character. He was a camp cook, wrangler, horse wrangler, and an absolute wonderful persona. Very colorful, great character. One of his deathless remarks one time was a group of dudes were gathered around in front of the Irma Hotel. Phonograph was there entertaining them in the middle of the afternoon. And one lady in the group said, well, Mr. Jones, were you alive during Prohibition? Well, he was 85 years old. He said, oh, yes, I was. He said, well, what did you think of Prohibition? And Phonograph said, well, it was better than no whiskey at all. 
<laughs> yeah. That was his and then boxcar had a rifle that he he, he he had a lottery and he'd say, I'm gonna sell you a chance on this rifle. We all knew that the rifle had never been sold or ever anything done. But he'd he'd hitchhike all the time. But he knew that the rifle didn't endure him to two people picking him up. So he'd put it over by the sagebrush. And if someone stopped the old boy and said, uh, would you like a ride? Yeah, but let me get my let me get my rifle and get it out of the sagebrush. They drive off. He had a way. But, but, but these are all guys you do. Oh, yes, we, we did. We grew up with them. I mean, they were older than us, but we knew them as kids. We, growing we up. knew we knew everybody we talked about during those three three yeah. things. We didn't do Deefy Williams, Deefy which Williams. was too bad. Okay, who's D.P. Williams? Well, our, when our dad moved to town, he moved to Wyoming Avenue. That was the first place with our mother. I was just one year old. And Wyoming Avenue have, was not only frequented by bootleggers, but several of them lived there. And one of dad's uh, clients was a guy who was hard of hearing, who they called D.P. Williams. Dad couldn't be there at his arraignment, but he was caught red-handed with some moonshine. And so Dad said, "Now, D for you, I won't be here, but uh, you you just answer the phone when the sheriff calls, and you'll have to be arraigned." Well, he got a phone call from Frank Blackburn, who was the sheriff, dear guy, legendary figure in his own right, and said, "D for you." And D for you said, "What?" He said, "D for you, uh, this is Frank. Who? Uh, it's time for you to be arraigned. What?" Uh, you have to come to court, Davy. It's time to come to court. And he said, "Well, I can't give you a court, but I can give you a couple of pints." <laughs> Dad <laughs> lost that case. <laughs> I bet he did. Yes, that, he did. That took you, <laughs> I remember that one well. <laughs> but of all the characters that you talk about, right? These are the people you knew. We knew them, right? Which one stands out the most? Well, well right here in this hallowed. Hotel Agnes Chamberlain was just across the street from us. Sure was uh, on Canyon Avenue, and yeah. we were just little kids. She, she was a very vital woman, and she was a chamber person. And and uh, people think, well, they look at us, say, "Did you know Agnes Agnes Chamberlain?" We said, "Yeah, we did." But there's there's so many, uh, uh, and we we just covered a. Uh, 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 a third of the people that uh, that are they weren't controversial. They were quixotic. They were controversial. They were cunning. Uh, they were they were they were devoid of conscience uh, sometimes. Uh, and uh, we were we were able to uh, to uh, you know they'd get drunk and they'd pass out in the street and we'd go help them up and try to take the silver dollars out of their wallet. You did? <laughs> yeah, well, you call rolling. It's called rolling a drunk. You know, you can do that. You can talk, well, you can talk about it now because the statute of limitations yeah, the, has yeah, expired. But, but, but expired. it was the dollars that intrigued us, you know. We didn't, we didn't take any of their paper. <laughs> how, the how okay, Alan, how many drunks did you roll? I, I don't know, but we... we there were there was plenty police plenty of people to roll around. and there were three houses of ill repute here and we would go up and rattle the windows and one out here was called Cassie's and 
the cribs were right against the hill, and we'd get up there as kids and roll rocks down on on the uh, the patrons down there, and they'd come out of there with their pants, and they'd say, you little son. And they'd say, it must be Sims kids. That's Sims kids up there rolling those rocks. Well, that, but we... But you know, on the whole, justice was served. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. that's true. One way or the other. One way or the other. Mm -hmm. There were some wonderful characters of women, as Al mentioned, uh, Agnes Chamberlain. There was a lady doc here who was a fabulous yeah. character, Doc Lane. And there's a remarkable book about her written by Carolyn Lockhart, who was a journalist and notable writer. And she was, uh, I remember that's the first time I ever heard profanity. I was seven years old, went into the office, mom took me in there, had a cut on my hand, and and Doc Lane says, I'll get some mercuricone. I remember I mercuricone. Remember that <laughs> dark brown. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. that stuff. And my mother said, well, he's allergic to that. And Doc Lane says, I don't think so. And she went in, grabbed a little file, pulled it out, and then said, a profanity. Well, I'll be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, boy, that's pretty impressive by this lady doctor. And, uh, and it took me a little while to get over it. Mom tried to explain, but uh, I've cleaved to that notion ever since. That if you're careful, listen carefully, you can learn curse words at a very early age. <laughs> which, which held you in good stead later on oh, in life. in the Boy Scout camp particularly. Oh, that's right. Uh, Were you guys both Boy Scouts? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was a star scout. Well, I only got to second class. Ah. But uh, was, How many merit badges? I mean, what? <laughs> merit badges. Well, the, the thing that, that stalled us was that there was this part in the Boy Scout manual. Both of us were appalled at it. It said, if you have any inordinate desires, you should go take a cold shower. Well, my brother and I ran all the, all the cold water out of the Cody Reservoir. Because there were some startling young people here in this community. That the, one guy said he was a <laughs> druggist. He said, "When I see Susie go by and and Peggy, I just go down to the basement and try to live something heavy." <laughs> there, there was a terrible side light. I don't know how many things get cut, cut out here, but some of the people who read the manual uh, determined that. Because some of the cautionary in that manual was that if you were pleasuring yourself too much, you could go blind. And this young... I see that you're wearing glasses. Yes, well, it, it, yes, the whole point was, can I do that just till I have to wear glasses? <laughs> and what, what year was that? 1941, Unbelievable. 45. 45, maybe. Wow. Pete, you were a naval aviator, weren't you? I was a bombardier navigator in a heavy attack squadron that was based, uh, logged 1,400 hours on the USS Lake Champlain and the USS Forrestal, in, mostly in the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, my 
plane commander was an old World War II Hellcat pilot with the shotgun shell in the cylinder, you know. And uh, he just passed away two years ago to my great regret. But we logged a lot of hours, a lot of time. In World War Two, In the Korean. In the Korean War. In the Korean War. And we were a far field from that because we were stationed in the Mediterranean Sea. But it was during that, that uh, era. Well, hopefully you didn't bomb too much over there because that would have been Italy. Yes, it would have been. No, we got bombed a couple of times in Italy at one of those Kit Kat clubs in Rome. Oh, that but, kind of uh, bombing. <laughs> <laughs> And I suppose, Alan, you brought all of this experience with you to the United States Senate. Well, you know, I I, uh, went to Cody High School. We both did. We both played athletics. We were in plays. Pete's Pete's the great thespian. He and his wife are extraordinary. They've seen him in various shows. But uh, then we we both went off to one year at Cranbrook School north of Detroit to see how the other half lived. And it 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 was after a high school and a postgraduate war, uh, year, we thought we were as far east as you could get in Detroit. <laughs> but it was a great experience, and uh, they kind of worked the kinks out of us uh, uh, because I was on federal probation for shooting mailboxes, <laughs> and that was not a good thing. Wait, 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 say that again? I was on federal probation for a few shooting mailboxes. I didn't realize you could get six months for one hole or six, you know, whatever. But anyway, we... We paid our dues, and we had to show pay pay vouchers uh, that w- wasn't from our parents. We had to you had to rest- earn, earn restitution and fix all the mailboxes. That's right, and and so uh, they sent me to Cranbrook instead of Culver Military Academy or some <laughs> other desperate place like New Mexico Military Academy, and uh, so we uh, came back to the university and and uh, came back home and. And I was practicing law, and I walked right down this street right here, and some woman pulled her two children into this little enclave enclave there. And and I said, good morning, how are you? She said, how did you have the guts to come back to this town after what you've done? He said, everybody gets a second chance. And I smiled. She just cursed and waddled off. Let me ask this. Was one of your first pieces of legislation the Mailbox Protection Act? (laughs) No, but I did get in trouble when I uh, lost so many buddies from booze. In cars, I mean, I could have been with them. I mean, you know, hundred miles an hour through the sagebrush, and I, I, as a legislator, I passed the implied consent law, that if you've been booze and you said you you refused to take it, you take a blood test. Boy, I got. They said you hypocrite, you slob. I said, look, pal. Uh, I've lost Joe Tempa, I lost Chink. I, I've lost. You know, I named them. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm through. I'm through with that. And so I did a lot of things that were odd. Well, this guy. Now I've got to say something here, complimentary, about my brother. This is one of the best politicians, and I mean in the best sense of that word, and the most humane and connected uh, political figures I think uh, I've seen in this state or many other states. So I'll give you a little story. Al was in Jackson having a political rally running for the U.S. Senate and he looked in the back of the room and here was Mosley 
J.B. Mosley. J.B. Mosley, his probation officer. <laughs> and so Al pointed him out and said... Took your hand up to him. Jay, uh, this is my probation officer. Uh, wait, say hello. And uh, he did. Al won every vote in that place. Uh, and Mosley was a little embarrassed. I had the fun of introducing Al as the man of the year for the Boys and Girls Club. And I said... This guy, we're so proud of him. The whole family's proud of him. Well, and, you know, when I was growing up... were he alive, his probation officer would be proud of him, too. Well, you know, when, when, when I was growing up, the thing that was always held over my head by my parents is, don't do that because it will go on your permanent record. <laughs> right? right. Where right. is your permanent record, Al? <laughs> well, it's been, it's been sponged. <laughs> After 91 years... <laughs> The papers have all dried up and turned to brittle water papers. Well, we are so happy that you joined us here today. Alan Simpson, Pete Simpson, the Simpson brothers here in Cody, Wyoming. And by the way, your secrets are safe with us. <laughs> your lips are sealed. Lips are sealed. My thanks to Senator Simpson and Pete. Now, if you're coming to Wyoming and you want to learn about the West, there's no better place than the Buffalo Bill Center of the West. It's true history and storytelling combined. But there's a caution. You can't just see it in a day. CEO Rebecca West explains how and why. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome. Thank you. So, and as I just said, you know, the minute you land at the airport, right, it's Buffalo Bill time. Not because it's a tourist attraction, but because it's really a part of history. It is. And you may have guessed that Cody was named after William Frederick Cody, and he was our town founder. So we're trying to honor him through the center of the West, but also when you land in the airport, we want everyone to get a taste of what we have to offer as far as the art, uh, the history, and really part of the American West here. How long has the, the center been here? We have, uh, we were founded in 1917 as the Buffalo Bill Memorial Association. See, so, I'm surprised it goes back that far. Yeah, about, what, 106, 107 years yeah. we're going on? Wow. And it's grown. It has grown. It started out as a small log cabin building, and that's the building you see over there. It's a Cody Chamber of Commerce. And uh, started with Buffalo Bill's personal collections, a few of his, his clothing, his uh, books, things like that. And now we have five museums, we have a research library, and about eight football fields worth of exhibits. Now, that's hard for me to get my arms around. Eight? That's what, 300,000 square feet or yeah, something? It's massive, and that's not counting our vault storage space. 
So you're never going to run out of exhibits? No. Technically, no. It's just a lot of work. Sometimes we run out of manpower and funding. Well, ain't that the case? Yeah, really. But when you think about how large it is, how are you acquiring this? The collections we have right now, they started out primarily as donation. Back in the old days, we would take about anything and everything that related to Western history. It might be uh, ranch memorabilia, books, things like that. As we started getting into the 60s, um, we got a lot more notoriety when the Whitney Western Art Museum started, and you probably recognize that name, Whitney. This is the same Whitney family as New York. Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney sculpted the massive rendition of Buffalo Bill on horseback called the Scout over by the hospital. And then from there, we had Cornelius Vanderbilt Whitney and Mary Lou Whitney as some of the funders of the Whitney Gallery. That's when we got into art collection, and then it went from there into firearms, Plains Indian cultures, natural history. I mean, so much of the fascination of American history is with the American West. Yes. And, and so much of it is with the cowboy, with the Indians, with the push west, right? Right. With the train, mm-hmm. the railroads, the, the Pony Express, you know, just the, all the covered wagons. Right. And that's still very much part of what we are right now. It is. And that's the story most people know. It's that westward expansion. It's exploration. It's discovery. It's rediscovery. It's um, talking about coming onto the lands that were lived on by indigenous people for tens of thousands of years. But what we see today is that concept of the West is ever-changing. It's not agreed upon as to exactly what it is, how it started, and how it's changing. But it's what we live today, and it's the advantage of having five museums is that we can look at things from different perspectives. And it's constantly evolving. It is, absolutely. What was the biggest surprise to you, then, that you've learned? Oh, I think the biggest surprise, especially, I'm an art historian, and, and that's Not my, from Cody. Not from Cody. I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. One of the great western towns of America. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> how, did you get, how did you get here? Oh, it's, it's a long story. Um, I went to Dartmouth College to study art history. And after college, I lived in Pittsburgh for about three months. Love Pittsburgh. Great city. But I had this pull west. I'd been to Sheridan and thought, oh, gosh, wouldn't it be nice to live in Wyoming someday. Well, I didn't land. It was a fantasy at that point. It was, totally. Um, Not many jobs out here for me. I didn't land in Wyoming right away. I was chasing a guy. Here we go. Uh, Yeah, here we go. Um, And moved from Pittsburgh to Bend, Oregon. When I got to Bend, he already had a girlfriend. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, so I stayed, uh, worked there for about three years, and I was living a different Hoping the girlfriend would die. (laughs) I had moved on at that okay, point. Fine, okay, fine. Right. But um, was loving that version of the Western lifestyle. It was skiing. It was fishing. It was um, camping, backpacking, all that good stuff. But I knew I wanted to get back into history and the arts. So I was sending out cold call letters, sent one to Peter Hasrick, who was the director at the time. Here. Um, here in Cody. He was one of the persons kind enough to actually answer my cold call letter. And he said, would you come out and work on the Frederick Remington catalog raisonne for six months? I said, great. He said, well, you got to work for free. Okay, no problem. So I moved from Bend. 
to Cody, Wyoming, and that was about 29 years ago. And of course, Frederick Remington, the classic American artist of the West. Yes, he is. He's probably, uh, along with Charlie Russell, he is one of the best-known Western artists of that era. And the next, of course, is history. You're here. I'm here, yes. I'm still loving it, and now I worked my way up through the museum, and now I'm director. <laughs> and they haven't found out yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few people know, but they have to be old-timers. So um, I got you. Al and Pete Simpson, with whom you just spoke, um, they know lots about my history. And uh, so we share a few memories. But Aren't they amazing? They're amazing. And uh, I don't know if you knew this, but they've been giving free public talks. Oh, yes. Okay, at the, at the center. And they're filling the room. They are. We've had to do it three times now because it keeps selling out. And uh, the overflow was too much. So hopefully the third time's a charm. We could have done all three hours with them. Oh, I know. And uh, nobody wants to follow Al and Pete. Well, you just did. <laughs> <laughs> For you, what's the biggest surprise that you weren't expecting about Cody? Uh, the biggest surprise, and especially coming from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, is how incredibly kind and trusting everybody was. When I moved here, it was in October. Uh, the weather was terrible. It was the windiest place I'd ever been. And I remember going to the grocery store. It was Stex IGA, tiny little grocery store that does not exist anymore. Walking in, doing some shopping, I'd forgotten my wallet. And the cashier said, just come back later, you can pay us later. Let me take the groceries and come back. And I walked out of the store and I thought to myself, where am I? I mean, <laughs> how can you go anywhere where people are so kind, so welcoming as a new intern uh, to a community? I didn't know anyone and um, people embraced me immediately. I think it was that true small town comfort, kindness, and also really pride in their own history, too. And when people come to the center for the first time, what's their biggest surprise? What are they not expecting? They're not expecting the close to 100,000 objects that we have in the collections. So typically when someone arrives, they're expecting a small mom-and-pop type of historical society. With a couple of refrigerator magnets. Exactly. And they're thinking, oh, we'll just cruise in here and we'll be done. What they don't know is you really need a minimum of two hours per museum to see really just the basics. Amazing. Yeah, and that's why we have two-day admission. You need two full days to see everything. My thanks to Rebecca. Whenever I'm coming to Wyoming, I check in with Sam Leitner. By day, he's an avid outdoorsman, and he's a climber. But he's also the author of Wyoming, A History of the American West. And he knows a thing or two about grizzly country. How are you, Sam? Uh, I'm doing great, Peter. It's great to be here. Nice to see you. Now, I can always, every time I see you, I can always say, okay, where were you climbing today? So you can tell me right now. Just get it out of the way. Uh, Wind River Canyon, about two hours south of here. Now, when you climb, mm. I mean, how high were you going? How far were you going? Not that high, 100 feet. 120 feet, something like that. This, this was, uh, these were smaller, more intense um, climbs rather than real long climbs that aren't quite as intense. We call it sport climbing. So something I could do. Yes. Okay. You didn't say that with a lot of confidence. Well, 
there's a lot of sport climbs that I can't do. Oh, okay, fine. Um, they, they're, they're more like, uh, think of it as gymnastics routines. So there can be an easy gymnastics routine or there can be something that wins the gold medal. Great. I just want to come back without orthopedic surgery. Okay, we can, we can come up with that. Okay, good. But look, give me the update now because we've seen with climate change, global warming, some temperature inversions, some unseasonable weather for the, for the whole country this year. Mm. What's been the case here in Wyoming? Oh my gosh, we had, I believe this was the second hardest winter since they were keeping records uh, for most of Wyoming. It was um, the average, the mean temperature in my hometown, Lander, was 14 degrees below the norm. So a big change is two degrees. We were 14 below. Uh, we had many, many days below zero. And, you know, the Jackson ski area went over 600 inches of snow this year. And where that's, where that's really affected things, there's so much snow in the central part of the state that we're going to see a lot of wildlife deaths. Um, you know, as the snow melts, we're going to start finding lots of deer, antelope, and elk didn't make it through the winter because there was just too much snow. Nothing to eat. Yeah, they can't get to it. Wow. And they need more of it because it's cold. So, oh yeah, it's it was a hard winter, very hard winter here. And for the summer, what do you expect? It's just going to rebound and get super hot, and we're going to have horrible flooding problems. If we had to have a horrible snow year, we're going to have horrible flooding problems. That's what I expect. But, but I have no so, reason to believe so, that. But thank you for sharing <laughs> all that good news. But having said that, is there a time to come to Cody? You Right now is good. I mean... You'd, I don't think you want to come necessarily. Most people would want to come in the winter. Winter's a hard time. But Although spring. I did. I, it, I actually went through Yellowstone in the winter. And it's, it, was, it's, it was amazing. Oh, it's super cool. But it's a, it's more of a specialty thing versus, you know, like you've, you've got to go on snowmobiles or you've got to go on one of the snow coaches. I, I, or, I did go on snowmobiles and they yeah. had groomed paths. But I learned, I think I shared the story with you once about my experience with the moose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that taught me don't do that again. I, I literally was on the snowmobile by myself and you're going 25, 30 miles an hour as you're zipping by and way in the distance. And this is like January. It's cold. Yeah. yeah. Right. I saw this puff of steam. Well, that was the moose. Yeah. Right. But he was like a half a mile away. I said, Oh, isn't that cute? It's Rocky and it's Bullwinkle. You know, there it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm just zipping along and all of a sudden out of the corner of his eye, he sees me, and he wasn't happy. No, he just didn't. And, and sometimes they don't care, and other times they're like, no, Peter, I don't want you here right now. And that was one of those times. Yeah. And he got up a, a, a head of steam, and I figured, well, how fast can a moose run? I got this, I'm on a snowmobile. <laughs> uh, no, this guy was, was closing in on me, and I, yeah. I had nowhere to go. And at the last I had no choice. I jumped, I, I, I jumped the snowmobile into a snowdrift, and I was buried in snow, right? And there were people about... A half a mile back who saw me do it, right? Yeah. And then I'm down there, and all I could hear is... He, he was, like, waiting to get me, right? Yeah. And then when he heard the other snowmobiles, he went away, and they dug me out. That was my experience. Yeah. They're, they're, they're funny animals, the moose. Yeah. So, so keep your distance. Keep your distance. But for Yellowstone itself as the park, how is that shaping up for the summer? Looks great. Um, Yellowstone's going to be beautiful this year because of all the snow. We're, the wildflowers are going to go off. Uh, the the animal life that will make it through in Yellowstone. I mean, uh, when I say we're going to lose a lot, it's not like everybody 
is gone. We're going to have a great year as far as the animals are going, because now they're going to have lots of grass to eat. Over-tourism, we see this all over the world. It, it was top again before the pandemic. It's now back again. Mm. And with our national parks, there's overcrowding. And, uh, you know, some parks having taken reservations, some parks cutting them off. Yeah. Right? We saw that happen last year and the year before. May that happen again this year? I, I've got to think so. And, it, you know, the, I, there's no way for us to know right now because, the you know, the parks... The, the hotels and so forth, they sell it. They, they get all the reservations way ahead of time every year. But a lot of people come thinking they're just going to camp. They don't really need camping. They don't need the camping permits ahead of time. Maybe maybe some of the campgrounds, you can't get them. And so they're coming just in the car, packed up the car. So we don't know out in Wyoming how many people are coming. But I, there's nothing to indicate it should be less. So yeah, there could be big crowds this year. Look, the National Park Service has a website. You can go online. You can make a reservation. You should, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But there's something else that you know better than anybody. You've got a great state park system. Yes. And and most people don't appreciate the incredible beauty and wonder of America's state parks. We have state parks in Wyoming that would be national parks if they weren't in Wyoming, where we already have our share of national parks. We have beautiful state parks here. And they're not on the beaten path. And it's an amazing thing that they don't get seen by more people. Okay, give me some examples. Vitavu State Park down by Laramie, beautiful Sheridan uh, granite domes, uh, Fremont Canyon, I'm sure it's a state park, it might be a recreation area, beautiful place, Sinks Canyon outside of Lander, beautiful canyon, and it, uh, the river that flows down it goes into a sinkhole and disappears and comes up half a mile further down the canyon. So there's no river for a while, and then all of a sudden the river's back. Uh, we have... We have a host of state parks that are worth seeing. And we have things that are outside the park that aren't even state parks. You know, we've got, we've got, you know, you've got these museums here, the Museum of the West here that I think you're, you're probably talking with folks today about. And, but there's, there's other museums elsewhere uh, in the state that are absolutely beautiful. The Military Museum uh, uh, outside of Dubois, the Museum of uh, um, uh, uh, Western Museum of uh, American Western art uh, is in Jackson. Beautiful place. Um, so there's lots of things to see when you aren't in the national parks. So as long as you're packing up the car, get a roadmap. Yeah. Hey, how about the word Atlas? Maybe that might help. And okay. then you could actually spend your entire trip in, within the state of Wyoming and not, never run out of stuff. For sure. For sure. But there are things to see all over the state. And, you know, Wyoming's a bunch of firsts. You know, we were the we had first national park. We had the first national monument, Devil's Tower. We had the first national forest, the Shoshone National Forest, that's right here. It's here, yeah. Yeah. There's also things to see, like South Pass City, which was a boom town, uh, a gold a gold boom town in 1868. That's basically the birthplace of the suffrage movement. Not the movement per se, but that's the first place. Wyoming is the first place where women were granted the vote. Uh, full 50 years before the rest of the country did it. And it started in little South Pass City, Wyoming, down you know on the south end of the Wind Rivers. It's worth going there. And that's a state park that's worth seeing. So we have all kinds of interesting things to see in Wyoming that aren't just the famous Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks. And if you're a walker or a hiker or a climber, and you're a basic beginner like the host of this show, mm-hmm. uh, what would you recommend? There... There are brilliant places to hike all over the state of Wyoming, uh, and there, Wyoming is probably the best state to live in if you're a climber. 
There are mountain guides that can teach climbing. There's right out of Cody here, there's Wyoming mountain guides. Uh, there's Wind River mountain guides out of Lander, Exum mountain guides and Jackson Hole mountain guides in Jackson. Uh, you've got you've got guiding opportunities and they'll teach you the very basics of climbing in a number of different places all over the state. Beautiful places that you otherwise might not get to see them if you didn't go with climbing guides. And the thing about, about Wyoming, and you mentioned Jackson, is I do believe now they get more visitors in the summer than they get during ski season. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's in the it's up somewhere around four and a half, five million, I think, in the in the uh, uh, summertime. And I think sometimes every you know Christmas weekend it feels it feels like that's how many are at the ski area. But uh, no, ski area is not getting four and a half five million. But but for Cody and yeah. here we are on Cody right yeah. now. Uh, that's about what three hours from where you live, more or less, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, what brings you to Cody other than to do my show? I mean, what what's the attraction of Cody for you? One, I love the museum here. Um, I'm I'm a history guy, and I love the museum because I love just going in there and seeing. Uh, what they've got, uh, their their latest uh, exhibit that's going on. Plus, they just anytime you go look at the exhibits that are permanently there, they're really cool. Um, there are a number of climbing areas around Cody uh, that I go to visit. I also, from time to time, go out and see Heart Mountain. That's a historical thing here. Uh, for folks that don't know it, that was one of the uh, internment camps during World War II. Um, sad place, but it's the still a part of camp, relocation yeah. camp. Uh, uh, and, and there's just a lot to see here that's historical stuff. My thanks to Sam, to Rebecca West, and to the latest dynamic duo on the nanogenarian comedy circuit, Alan and Pete Simpson. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the other breaking travel news, just giddy up. That's over to petergreenberg.com. The Ion Travel Podcast is produced by Amanda Morris and Anthony Protis-Chung. For more content from Peter Greenberg and the Ion Travel team, visit petergreenberg.com. Ion Travel is a production of CBS News Radio. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.